Hey friends, today we are in Proverbs 28. We're looking at verse 17, which says, If one is burdened with the blood of another, he will be a fugitive until death. Let no one help him. You know, from the beginning, intentional premeditated murder is something God has decreed to be an abomination and to be dealt with very severely. We see this first when Adam and Eve's son Cain killed his brother Abel. And then we see this in the Ten Commandments and in the courts of his people and all mankind. It's even something I believe that is imprinted upon our hearts. And I suppose one reason this is so important is because man was made in the image of God. Today I'd like to ponder that a bit. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? For one thing, it must mean that Unlike the rest of creation, we were created to be compatible with God in a more intimate way. I mean, uh, take families, for example. They share a lot of characteristics, right? They might have the same eyes or chin or a similar walk. And these things identify us as a family, but they also remind us, I think, that we were meant to have strong, unifying ties, family ties, and fellowship and relationship. So then, does being made in God's image mean we physically look like Him? No, I actually do not see that anywhere in Scripture. The truth is that Jesus Himself, who is God, the Son, He came to earth physically, resembling the image of a man, right? He came as a man. And yet, speaking to Jesus, quoting from Colossians 1.15, says, is the image of the invisible God. So we were made in God's image, uh, but Jesus is that image. So even as a physical man, he had the invisible qualities of God. And so it stands to reason that Adam and Eve had something invisible about them that mirrored God. Um, something that would give them the ability to fellowship with God. Maybe uh, some of the characteristics of God that would uh, provide a way for them to be in relationship together. So as we ponder this, I was just thinking, and this is kind of interesting, how mankind has plenty of invisible qualities, at least in some contexts. I mean, the inner workings of our heart and our soul and our mind, things like um, thinking and willing and even speaking, even certain aspects of all five senses are invisible in some way, to, at least to the naked eye. But animals, they have this also, right? At least the, relating to the five senses. Um, so that being said, I don't, see how these things are, are mirror images of the invisible God, which the Bible speaks of. Rather, it seems to me that they point us to their spiritual counterparts, things that must be awakened by God uh, spiritually. So it does make sense that God is invisible because he is a spirit, I think, right? I mean, in John 4, 24, Jesus said this, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The Holy Spirit, we know, is invisible. Jesus 
told Nicodemus this very thing in John chapter 3. He compared it to the wind, which moves things. And so we see evidence of something that is invisible with the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And so if our five senses maybe has spiritual counterparts, <laughs> that would mean that there is a way for mankind to have fellowship with God. So God's way of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling are spiritual. And when God awakens his spirit in you and I, all of a sudden our world like is full of beautiful color and music and wonderful smells. We see Jesus as beautiful, the greatest treasure in the universe, and we savor his word as the best thing we've ever tasted in our life. So back to the beginning, I mean, Adam and Eve, they believed in Satan over God and the relationship, the fellowship that they had, the invisible image of God upon their lives was broken. Man became image bearers of sin and, and self and Satan, and they didn't have the sweet fellowship with God uh, like family should have. But still, God created us in a fashion so that this sweet spiritual camaraderie with God could be restored, even for those who never had experienced fellowship with God before. And I know we've strayed from the text somewhat, but let me read it again. Proverbs 28:17 says, If one is burdened with the blood of another, he will be a fugitive until death. Let no one help him. So when I read this, my mind goes to a few things. Like I said, I, it makes me think of how we were made in the image of God. And so our life is sacred to the Lord for his glory. And then my mind goes also to King David, who murdered Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, in cold blood. And so we just read the high stake of accountability that God placed on murder. But did God mean for all to never be helpful to David as long as he lived, that he was to be a fugitive until death, like our text says? I think not. You see, the cool thing is the burden of blood that was on him was lifted from him. He saw his wrong, and he was a man who had the righteousness of Christ applied to his life. Therefore, I mean, he repented, and he turned to the Lord for mercy, and that was what made David that guy, right? He was a sinner like you and me, but he had a heart for God, and he repented over and over and over throughout his life, always coming back to the Lord. The great heroes of our faith, we see this in so many of them. Take Abraham, for example. He repented. He was a sinner over and over and over. And he, his circle of repentance seemed to be smaller and smaller. So he grew in the Lord. He had, like David, the righteousness of, of Jesus applied to his life and working out of his life. So as Solomon mentions being blood guilty, I also think about abortion, right? And how we dismiss it so easily like it's nothing to be concerned about as though we get to say what's right and wrong about children created in the image of God and intended for his fellowship. Uh, in this, we should do what David did and repent. God stands ready to forgive our blood guiltness through Jesus Christ. Finally, I think... <laughs> of Jesus, 
the Son of God who was crucified by sinful men, not unlike you and I. And yet, it was for them as well as you and I. And we're burdened with his blood. We stand guilty. He was crucified by men, yes, but he also willingly laid down his life. And as Joseph said about his brothers, remember, they meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So Jesus meant it for our forgiveness. He carried the burden of our sin. We deserved them. And he died in our stead on the cross. He was crucified so that you and I, whoever believes in him, whoever delights in him as good news for the soul, we receive his righteousness and become image bearers of his character as we grow in his attributes, as we see more of his glory and we're transformed, that we might share in his fellowship. God bless you today. I hope you have a great day in the Lord.